The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I can't wait to share with you today's guest. Ronan Devon and his knowledge with holistic healing is amazing. I've gone to him for Reiki and let me tell you, he is the real deal. I've gotten so much amazing healing from him. He's been walking his spiritual and holistic paths for well over three decades. Ronan has traveled the world, spending time with teachers, masters, healers, and guides. He's gained wisdom that spans multiple traditions. Ronan is a Reiki master, a channeling healer working in mediumship, and a yoga and Tai Chi instructor. Welcome to the podcast, Ronan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So glad you could be here. So can you share more about yourself and your work? Sure. So I felt called to, the, to do this work. It wasn't something I was really planning to get involved with in my uh, earlier career. I was more involved with the business development and web stuff. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, wow. 22 years, I built companies and... Learned uh, something new. Yeah, New York City, had a company there and 30 employees. I was one of the first uh, companies to do web back in 96, way ahead of the curve. But yeah, the life, I had a parallel life into spirituality, starting with Taoism, Tai Chi, Qigong, and the philosophy behind that. And then encountered uh, a guru and became involved in the national for eight years. That turned to be a cult ultimately, so I departed and then ended up getting more involved with the shamanic practice from South America, which helped me to find my path into healing and ultimately giving up all the work I was doing before and focusing only on healing for the past few years. And it's been both very challenging in a good way, but also the most rewarding work of, I think I've ever done. So what made you move over though? Was there some kind of calling you felt or... Just felt that draw towards more holistic, I guess, healing? It was the notion that when I was younger, it was the whole notion of being the next Bill Gates, the next uh, Steve Jobs, changing the world. And then the realization that first I have to do work on myself. And then it's more individual work. If you want to change the world, change yourself. And then help individual pe people around you. There's no need to go and start a revolution. It's all done in small portions and everything adds up together. And the calling came from uh, work I was doing in South America with various traditions over there. And it was very strong. When I was trying to resist it, things did not go well for me on the business side. And I ultimately had to surrender to the calling and basically uh, trust and do a leap of faith and start from scratch in this area. And sure enough, when I started, things started to move very quickly in a very upward direction for me. So whenever I follow the, the, the calling or the instructions or the guides, whatever you wish to call it, the universe provides very positive feedback. So that's absolutely. <laughs> so you work with guides, your spiritual guides as well to help yeah. you. Yeah, we believe so. I'm, I'm following, I don't follow a religion. I follow, uh, I'm actually sort of anti-religious. And because I believe the difference between faith and religion is that Religion try to mold you into a path of somebody else, be it uh, Buddha, Jesus, uh, Muhammad. 
uh, Moses, while faith is a direct connection between you and what is divine for you. And, and even those deities I mentioned had their own direct experience, and that transformed into a religion. But at the beginning, beginning of the journey, it was more faith. And so that's the direction I'm following. And in terms of practices, I practice uh, something that's called spiritism, which is not a religion, it's more an approach. And in spiritism, back to your original question, there's a belief that we have a soul family, and when we as spirit souls occupying a, a human body or physical body, it can be an animal as well, decide to come back to this physical world to gain experience, knowledge, learning, because in the astral plane where the spirits reside, not much can be changed. There's no time and space. So you have to come back into the physical world to go through those experiences. Two, at least two of our soul family join and accompany us in this journey through this life. One is your guardian angel, and the other one is your mediumship mentor. So we all have them. It's just a matter of learning how to access it. And this can be a very quiet voice in your mind, either a vocal voice, like a, an actual voice, or just annoying of what ne- what's right and what's wrong in a specific situation. Not so, what's right and wrong in terms of human law, but in terms of universal law. And as you become more attuned to that, and you learn to distinguish between that and what we call mocking spirits that are so often take us away from a path, the instructions are very clear. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people may not be aware of the spiritualism that you mentioned. And I, it made me think too. I'm like, wow. So I get, I do get sometimes as to me, it's almost like a whisper. I'll hear something about, or I get an idea like, oh, well, I should do this with my holistic counseling podcast or, you know, something comes up and I don't know where it comes from, but maybe it is some tuning into spiritual guides and it's very likely is, and you know, when kids have their imaginary friends, often that's their that's their guide, but they learn to ignore it because society doesn't accept that. So yeah. we shut it down very early on, at least in the West, in the indigenous societies, it's actually being encouraged. So you see indigenous people are much more intuitive, both that's about true. healing and mm-hmm. about other things, because they learn how to stay with the heart versus to give total command to the mind. Some of the work I do when I, we can talk more about healing, but part of the healing is also uh, guiding, is to allow people to break the programming that society put into them, move from those limiting beliefs, and then open up to whatever is their destiny. Many people come to me, even for Reiki, and uh, I ask for intentions for Reiki as well. And the intention is to find my life's purpose, etc. It's there. It's just clouded with all kinds of different ideas of what your parents expected you to do, what society expects you to do, what your spouse expected you to do, your kids. And once you can let go of those notions, uh, everything becomes more clear. It's always been there. It's like Michelangelo's famous saying about the sculpture already buried in the stone. All you need to do is to chisel away what hides that from you. So it's always been there inside. Yeah, always. And it's a habit from the beginning. One of my kids from very young age, knew that he wants to be in the, in the world of music. He spoke to him. He has a decent voice, and he did go to study uh, music at ECU. Right now, he decided not to pursue a career as a singer, even though he does sing and perform, but he decided to switch into music therapy. So he found a specific path within the world of music that is very satisfying for him. But he was very following cool. his heart right from the beginning. And when I was growing up, and as well as many in my generation, coming from the Second World War, parenting, or that were my parents, I'm not that old, the lack mentality and the fear that you won't have an income and what's going to happen drove many of my generation and following generations 
to do what is better for them financially or seem to be more secure financially than what they were actually supposed to do. And years go by and you feel uncomfortable in what you're doing, but this programming is very deep and then fear settles in and you're stuck in that position. I was lucky in that sense. Lucky is not maybe the best word, but my father passed away when I was 15, which I'm very sorry for. But he was also a very dominant uh, figure in the decision-making for me and my brothers. He directed my older brother to study electronics back in the 70s when that was just an emerging field because he knew it's going to be very strong. And he was right from the financial perspective. But I still today do not think that that was my brother's real calling. And my, my, my middle brother also in a different direction. Me, he pushed in the 80s to study uh, computers because, again, he had a g- very good uh, foresight to how computers are going to be taking over. And back in the 80s, it wasn't that clear. So, but without his influence, it allowed me to follow a, a different path, which for me at the beginning was filmmaking and brought me to New York from Israel to study that, which is actually by my bachelor's. But as life, I moved on this journey, this yo-yo between the seeking of financial security and f- following what I really wanted to do, which at the time I still didn't know, was very confusing. And confusion is what I find a very common element with many people, even in the 50s and 60s. that still didn't figure out what they want to do when they grew up. It's a very interesting sort of situation. So you have that much less in indigenous societies because they encourage kids to follow what they want. And I, I've been doing certain work, shamanic work, over the past few years as part of the calling I had. And each, I do this monthly with a group of people that come to uh, sit with me. And I give a theme for the weekend. Everybody have their own intention, but I also give like an overarching uh, theme. And the last ceremony I did back in late February, the theme was living the dream. And as I was... Love it. Yeah, it's really something we say often, but we don't always understand what it means. And as I was sitting there uh, and doing my own work while facilitating the, the work for others, I visions come and voices come, and it's a, it's a very specific environment that is very conducive to this sort of work. I was thinking about the son I mentioned earlier that went to study music, and I realized that my wife and I very sadly were pushing him to take uh, music therapy as a minor in college because of the concern, knowing that the musicians rarely make it. And he ended up actually making that into his major and dropping music. And he's coming actually to visit tomorrow and I'm going to have lunch with him. And I want to make sure that it wasn't us that killed the dream. And I'm really, because I started to feel really guilty about it. I know that he really loves music therapy. He really enjoys it very much. So I don't think we, we did. But I made a decision that weekend to sit with each one of my kids and ask them if money and time were not an issue. What would you like to do in your life? And I will be there to support you. It's a great question. Yeah. And it's not something that's very easy for them even to answer sometimes because of the confusion that goes on. But bring it up as a question, at least it starts a process. Uh, I want to be a writer. I want to be an actor. I want to be a scientist. Whatever that is, my role as a parent is not to force my fears and my dreams onto my kids but to support them to fulfill whatever their dream they have. even if Exactly. It's yeah. So that's something that came out to me. So very that's what I wonder too, with a lot of people who are interested in, in holistic treatments and healing, that do you think that stops a lot of people from pursuing that? Absolutely. Yeah. I get that a lot. I, I, there is a, so something to be very uh, wary of when it comes to that is the notion that I'm here to heal the world. And really the, the, the first thing anybody that is on this path 
needs to realize is you have to start to work on yourself. Uh, don't go offer to anybody else what you're not willing to do for yourself. Giving advice is very easy. The other thing is what we call, we have a prayer that my teacher channeled called uh, releasing the savior complex. And it's a beautiful prayer. And it talks about where are you coming from when you want to save others? Because more often than not, there's a lot of ego going on there. I found the path. Now let me save you. Uh, no, I don't need saving. <laughs> I need you to do <laughs> your own work. And when I need support, I'll approach you. So that brings me to another point that I find disturbing with people that work in various helping professions, including healing and, and mental health, is uh, we have another saying in Spiritism. It is the way of darkness to act without permission. It is the way of light to honor your free will. That means that I'm not going to be providing advice I'm not, unless I'm asked to provide advice. And if I have an advice, I'm going to ask permission first. Would you like my advice on this? And if the other person says no, then no is a no. But often you see, let me help you. Uh, I'll do this for you. That's not free will. That's forcing what you do on somebody yeah. else. And we are coming from a good intention, but it's done in the wrong way. And so I really encourage anybody working in this thing to always bring that to mind. Always ask permission. Uh, before doing something, even touching. When I'm doing healing, I always ask permission, uh, do I have your permission to touch you or do I have your permission to do this and that? And the answer, by the way, I don't always insist on that with people that don't uh, come from spiritism, but the answer is yes, I give permission, not just yes. It has to be a very specific uh, reply and then there is the full understanding that they allow me to do the work I want to do. For example, when I do Reiki, because it's hands-on uh, with women, one of the points is on the, on the heart, on the chest. Many hover over the breasts, which is fine. But I ask permission, would you uh, give me permission to place my hands on your upper chest above the breasts? And almost always the answer is yes. But I'm not going to, even a client that comes back, I'm going to ask again and again, because something may have changed since the last time I've seen them. That's so, true. So you do have to look out for that kind of thing and liability issues. And Yeah, that's from the human law perspective. But I'm honoring their free will. I'm less concerned here with the, yes, there is the need yeah. to movement and everything you do today is scrutinized much more than it was of course. before. Yeah. But I still want to make sure that they have the permission to touch them anywhere, basically. What would you say to a holistic provider that wants to add more holistic things to their practice, but they're thinking in their mind that I don't think I'll get clients or I won't make money off of this? Was there any anything you could say about that? So the first month when I started to do this, I made a whooping hundred bucks for the whole month. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where faith came in. The calling was very strong and very clear because, again, I had insights in those ceremonies in South America. I asked at some point to see myself in previous lives. And I've seen myself as a healer in every single life. This was earlier really? on in my journey, about eight to ten years ago. And I just said, very cool. I didn't really make the connection, didn't connect the dots that I also came to do that in this life. I just forgot. So when the message came much louder and clearer a few years into this work, before I turned into healing, that was my main concern. How would I support myself? I have four kids. At the time, they're still home. My wife was just starting her own business. When I moved uh, to North Carolina from New York, I decided not to work with the banks anymore. So I took every penny I had and bought the house for cash. And I had no savings. So it was a do or die sort of situation. And sounds very terrifying. Work, it was very, it was, it was a leap of faith. It was really yeah. my faith was persisted. Oh. And I can tell you that every month some miracle happened and money came in, not for the work I was doing, to support me while I was building my practice, which happened fairly quickly, by the way. Um, 
I guess because of the guidance, my work is good. People were referring to me. Uh, now I'm also very good with Google, so I, I get a lot of calls from the internet. I mean, my, my schedule is pretty full a month ahead, but it's it wasn't like coming from the financial calcul- calculative mind. It was more trusting that whatever I need to do, I'll do. So I started with Reiki and some energy work that I've learned in South America, and then sound healing came and became a, a, a portion of my practice. I'm interested in crystals, but it never really came to me yet as a full practice, so I incorporate a bit of that. I work with certain things from South America that are legal in the U.S., like combo or frog medicine, which is uh, basically a secretion taken from a specific frog in South America, which is a venom, a very potent venom that can kill. But it, when it's applied in the correct way, uh, allows a person to purge and heal. In, I mean, I healed my thyroid, my hypothyroid that was incurable without taking symptoms. Wow, that's amazing. So, and this all came from this medicine. So uh, that's a side note. When conventional medicine tells you that there is no other way, they're right. In what they know, there is no other way. But we have a Ayurvedic medicine, we have acupuncture, we have shamanic medicine. Uh, there's so many other things that the modern medicine does not acknowledge, and that may be providing a solution for a health situation. And I do like to cooperate and collaborate with other people. I have a, a friend who's an acupuncturist and people that work in other fields and if it's an area that requires a different sort of feeling, including therapists, maybe the issue is a combination of the energetic field, the spiritual field, but also there is the mind. And the mind is so stuck and mental health can provide a solution. So it really finds, it, we have a tool set. What would be the best combination of tools to help the, the client in that specific situation to come out of it. You know, I mean, there's talk therapy. My wife is an art therapist. Some people just are not very good in communication via their voice and art may be the solution and vice versa. Some people that get stuck with the art and then my wife would refer them to a talk therapist. It's really finding the right venue for the client, not, not so right for me, what's right for the client. So what do you, in your opinion, so what do you see most often that slows healing down with clients? Yes, that's, uh, that's actually the, the base of this, I think, uh, specific episode with the podcast. We are the biggest sabotages of our own healing. And what I'm going to say may upset some people, so I apologize in advance if that's the case, but I'm going to explain it. I find that every single situation that we face, we created, and it's not resolved until we're willing to let it go. And I'm talking about kind of dramatic situations like cancer, rape, being shot, all these things, uh, sexual abuse, we, and again, that's my belief in spiritism, we created those scenarios before coming into the body because we wanted to have a certain experience, which in the human body is like unthinkable. But there was a reason we, ha- we had to create that sort of very dramatic situation in our life because as I, I presume you know, and probably quite a few people listening know, we grow only through fr- friction. When everything is very smooth and easy and nice, it's very challenging to make any change because we're comfortable. So right. a storm mm-hmm. needs to happen to shake us, like COVID, by the way, is doing now worldwide. And I, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can touch about that separately. But we need a storm in our life to shake us so we can see Absolutely. something that we haven't seen before. So sometimes something as dramatic as a heart attack or cancer is what we need to reprioritize what we're doing with our lives. And... If we can really understand that, then the issue is going to get resolved. If we do not, it's going to continue. 
And I did a, 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 a foolishly, <laughs> about a year ago, I posted something very briefly about that, that we are responsible for everything that happens in, in, in our life in, on Facebook, which I've not, I've, I haven't done stuff like that since. I yeah, don't do that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I have about 4,000 followers and I realized not everybody open to this. I've got like, whoa, <laughs> it backlashed on me. People saying, you know, do you think that my stage four cancer is something I invited? Do you think getting shot is something I invited? Do you think a, a, a girl being raped in India is something that she invited? And I ended up doing a blog post about it because Facebook is not really uh, allowing for longer discussions, explaining the whole thing behind this. A few people understood what I meant. Some are not friends anymore, which is fine. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> friends come and go. And so it's really understanding that. But the thing is, say take somebody who is a cancer survivor or a sexual abuse survivor. What I find is even though they say they want to heal, there is a benefit for carrying the trauma. Because if I tell everybody I'm a cancer survivor, I get pity. And people look at me differently. And I have excuses why I don't do certain things because I'm a survivor. Well, so that makes total sense from a psychological perspective, because as therapists, we see that a lot too. What am I without this depression or anxiety or trauma? Who am I, right? Moving on from that, it can be scary. It's scary, but it also gives us an excuse not to do work. An excuse too, yeah. Yeah. And so in our work, my group, highly revere St. Francis. I, I don't know the real St. Francis. I hope that he, is, he was what we believe he was, and I do trust that he was. Yes. But he, had, he didn't leave too much writing behind him, but one of the things he said was, misery is selfish. So, you know, because when you say I'm miserable, then that means that leave me alone. I'm not going to do anything. I need you to do stuff for me. So the advice we give for people in misery is pick up the phone, Call somebody that you haven't spoken in a while and don't talk about yourself. Ask them how they're doing. How can you help them? The moment you reach out and try to, to help somebody else, that moment you're no longer miserable because you cannot be miserable and giving at the same time. Absolutely. And, and that's so a great it, treatment for depression. Yes. I had a client. She was, I use the word that I don't favor, a survivor of a 20-year marriage for, to a narcissist and he dumped her for another woman. And she came to me, she was in a very bad place. And besides doing the Reiki and other energy work on her, because also do uh, in energy work, I do extractions as that, that goes into a whole different field of, of shamanism. And I gave her homework. I told her, go volunteer in a home for abused women. Tell her not, it's not an easy, <laughs> I didn't know much about it, but apparently you have to be screened. Yeah, and, oh, and it's a process. Yeah. It's quite a process. Yeah, but she did that. And she's now in a very different place. Because she let go of the misery. But so long as it's saying... So she you know, let go of the misery. Yes, she did. Yeah. She finally found somebody else. Okay. And mm. she, she hardly sees me anymore, which is a good sign. Yeah. Just comes from maintenance. But it's really about letting go of the notion that you're a survivor. My wife had thyroid cancer years ago. And for 13 years or so, she was sticking to the survivor thing. And again, she started to do this work with me. And she then she let go. She let go of the whole thing. And before, before that, there was traces of the cancer still, even though they took the, the thyroid out, there are traces of the cells, of the cancerous cells still in the body, but very minute, and she, they, they couldn't really do much about it. When she started to do this work more seriously, it's now zero. It disappeared completely. So, Amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's really, and it's, now it's, I have the blood work to show that. So it's, it's letting go of the, of this thing. Same thing with sexual abuse. And I know quite a few women in that area and it's very hard for them to let go of that sort of situation. Uh, so abusive parents, it's, it was there to teach you something, maybe more compassion, 
towards others, maybe understanding. In spiritism, we also say that sometimes the person that abused you, maybe they you abused them in a previous life, and this is kind of setting the record. We don't know the big picture. We only know the small portion of our life right now. But so, I like that perspective. So we don't always know the big picture. Mm-hmm. And there could be more to the story. Much more. There is a story I read from a guy that does uh, this sort of work in the West Coast. And he was working with a woman that was really severely depressed and anxiety and all kinds of other goodies. And he did work with her at plant medicine. And what they discovered, and, and a lot of that came from her father. Her father was super abusive, including sexually. And turned out in the way that the work that they did, that they had a previous life in the Second World War uh, time where she was a Nazi concentration camp guard and he was a Jew and she abused him severely. So they came back to this life to settle the score. So he was the father, she was the daughter, and he was abusing her. Once she saw that in a vision, she was able to forgive her father and then everything got resolved. So it's coming to that place where you understand that the person that did that to you is not coming necessarily from where you think you're coming. I went through very long processes over the years, the past few years when I was doing this work, of looking at people that I feel felt did wrong by me and forgiving them. I didn't all necessarily call them and told them, you know, I forgive you. But with myself, I sat down and I let them go. Even when somebody recently uh, did something that was really upsetting for me and I was very angry at her, I realized that if I'm angry at her and I want to dis- disengage, if I keep on being angry, I'm not disengaging. I have to forgive, and then everything is resolved, and I can move on to the next chapter in my life. So it's that understanding that everything in, in the Living the Dream uh, ceremony that I did in the process the weekend, I offered people to imagine their dream uh, or going towards a dream like a hot herb, herb balloon. They're trying to rise and, and live the dream. But everything that did not forgive or they hold to is the heavy sacks that keep them down. So to live your dream first, you have to cut all those things that slow you down from going there. And it can be seemingly nothing to do with what your dream is. But if you're not fully in forgiveness to yourself and others, you cannot rise. That's where we stand. I want to remember that. (laughs) We cannot rise, right, if we don't let go of those things. And that really does hold people back. Yeah. And you have to go and you have to clean and you clean more and you clean more. And the more you clean, you find more spots to clean. There's works done in South America in mediumship. Uh, they call it Mesa, Mesa Blanca. Mesa Blanca is a white table. So in white table, mediumship work, the metaphor they give is that in the day-to-day life, we eat over a plain wooden uh, dining table. And if crumbs fall down, you can't really see them too well because they kind of get merged with the surface of the table. But if you put a white table, everything shows. You can't hide anything. So in that specific work, they put the white table on and they invite darkness in so everything shows. And it's very, very challenging work, but you can't hide. You see your ego. You see where you were doing things supposedly to help somebody else, but it was to boost your own self-value and validation. And then you ask yourself, you see it, but the the work that you do there does not um, do the work for you. It just shows you where you are. And now the question is, what do you want to do about that? In some work with some plant medicine, uh, we say that we are like a cup of water that had uh, dirt in it. And over the years, the dirt, dirt settles in and you think it's, it's good, clean water. But when you do this sort of work uh, and you're stirring up the cup, everything rises. And now the question is, what do you want to do? You want to clean the cup and change your patterns and change your perception, start to remove some limiting beliefs. 
or do you want to allow the dirt to settle back down? And again, you're going to be under the illusion that everything is okay, but there's going to be some weight at the bottom that's going to be the depression, the anxiety, the underlying cause for all this that's going to continuously bring you down. So I made a decision at some point that I'm not willing to, to carry that anymore. And uh, it's not always easy. There's a song we play, Bruno uh, de Vedaci, it's Portuguese, it's uh, The Brilliance of the Truth. And there's a line over there that says, those who suffer proudly are those who refuse to work. It's a very interesting line. So what does that mean? It means that somebody comes to correct you and they're telling you, you know, you're doing it the wrong way. Maybe when you're driving, try to take a right instead of a left. And you say back, no, I've been driving like that for 20 years. That's the best way to go. Go ahead. You know, you don't know that on the left side, they now have a shortcut that's going to save you 20 minutes. But if you want to be proud, then suffer proudly. So the question is, <laughs> do we want to <laughs> do the work or do we want to continue to suffer proudly? So it sounds like a lot of inner work, right? To really work on yourself. I mean, all these holistic modalities are awesome, but the client really has to be willing to be their own healer. And Yeah. And that's the major challenge I have, by the way. People come to me. I have very good reviews, thankfully, on, on Google. And people come to me, oh, I read your reviews and decided to come to see you. And they're under the impression that I'm like a Jesus sort of thing, that I'm going to touch, put my hands on them, and I'm going to be healed the next day. You're the uh, guru no. on top of the mountain, Ronan. Yeah, no. What's <laughs> <laughs> no, happening? You have to want to, to heal. I'll facilitate whatever I can, but you have to do the work. I'm not the healer. I'm just a facilitator. You're the healer. And that, by the way, goes in both directions. I, I have friends and acquaintances that do healing. And they do like the notion that they are the healer, I'm the healer. And that's already like a red flag for me. Nobody is a healer for other people. You can only heal yourself. You can help other people by facilitating some healing modalities, but they have to receive. And it's so interesting. I had a client not too long ago, and she had a possession. And the moment she came, it was first-time client, in the lobby of the office, before even doing anything, she was screeching. She was really uncomfortable in my presence. And I already like... Went, uh-oh. <laughs> <To my laughs> oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> and as soon as I put my hands on her, I mean, she was not resting on the table. She was shifting and moving. And I had to, on the first session, do an extraction, which I hardly ever do. I, I always start with Reiki. But the spirit that was possessing her for a very long time, and there's a long story behind that, but for privacy, I'm not going to disclose any more information, recognized that I have the capacity to kick, kick its butt, and it just didn't want to be there. Luckily, she stayed when I finished that process. She sees me now on a regular basis until we, we're clearing everything that needs to be cleared. And it's a very different experience for her once that spirit was gone. But this can happen when we are, we're very young. We can be in an environment with people that are uh, alcoholics, addicted in man many different ways, bring their own traumas. Kids are very susceptible. And parents basically pass on their traumas to the kids. And then you're stuck with stuff from your parents. And it's very challenging because you think, you know, what can I do? I didn't do anything. No, you chose to come to a certain lineage. And that's another thing that's very interesting when you look at spiritism is a question to ask, why did you choose to come to this specific body, to this specific lineage, to this specific gender, to this specific color of skin? We made those choices because there was something for us to learn or to do. In some situation, a person came to a specific lineage because they have to heal it. So it's up to them. If they don't heal it, the next person in line is going to get the same issues. So it's a very heavy responsibility for each one of us. That's why I'm saying again, we have to do our own work. There's no work that anybody else can There's do. There's no easy way around this or avoiding no, it. No, no. 
there was something I've seen recently while I'm talking, I'm going to look it up, that I really, really liked. Continuously doing more and more training. I don't believe that you're done at any point in your life. There's always more that we can learn. And in a welcome uh, email to certain training I'm going to be doing in the summer, somebody said, there is a modern misconception, no, there is a modern misperception that when one walks a spiritual path, life is smooth, good, easy, and joyful. It may be more accurate to say that today's spiritual path is changeable, dynamic, rugged, challenging, and sometimes chaotic. It is your choice whether to walk this path with grace, love, joy, and power. So I think that's that's fantastic. Can you send me that? I'll put that yeah, in the show yeah. notes. That's really, powerful, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it nails it very well. So that brought so that, me to the question of what is a good takeaway that you could share today? But that's a good takeaway right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is another prayer that my my teacher channel, which is my favorite prayer of all times. It's called the Medium's Creed, and it's basically for anybody who wants to practice mediumship. And for me, it's not just for mediums. It's how to be a human. And it's beautiful. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to read it here. But I'll, I'll pick a couple of things from it. And Yes, please. I, I run into people, and again, a recent friend I mentioned that there was a situation that brought some anger. She's telling me I'm devoted to God, and I'm the daughter of God, and a lot of criticism about other people, including myself. And for me, you know, you can say whatever you want. The question is how you express yourself and your action. And I'm going to quote that prayer where it says, May my words and action reflect my inner beauty and the personal journey of my own healing. May my words and actions reflect my inner beauty and the personal journey of my own healing. That means that if somebody is using certain words and is always angry and criticizing others, is that a reflection of their inner beauty? So as a result of this specific line, I dropped the F and S words from my language totally. I had to reprogram myself. And by the way, the way I reprogram myself is by, because it's very hard to just drop words. You know, you used to when you drop something. How do you do that? So when you drop, <laughs> you know, something that you don't intend to drop, you go, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so, with you. Yeah, just using it as an example. So I flagged specific words in my mind. And then when I used to say that, I would catch myself saying it, not be uh, criticizing myself for saying it, just immediately repeating it with a different word, oh shucks. I would do that for several weeks and then the mind got reprogrammed. After doing the thing with the S and F word, I realized there's other words I don't really want to use. I actually used two of them. I didn't want to do the reprogramming while we recording this, but sort of and kind of, I find to be sort of, sort of <laughs> uh, useless. <laughs> <laughs> so Good I don't one. use them anymore. You either do it or you don't do it or try. There's this no, is as, true. As Yoda famously say, do or do not, do not try. <laughs> so I, I, I'm looking at specific words that are not conducive to where I want to grow and I'm dropping them out of, by, and I, I would say it and then I would say it again without saying those specific words or replacing them with something else. And by the way, the other, before you wrap, the other um, one I wanted to mention from that prayer, and I'm going to paraphrase, dear God, uh, allow others to criticize me and offer uh, a correction so I may keep on shining with, within the light. Please give me the, the oh, that's the nice. and even any sort of feedback so I can keep on shining. And the thing is, we, are, we have a lot of pride, and pride really stops us from growing. So by allowing others... And the way I do that is 
I feel the resistance when somebody says that you're doing it wrong and not always in the nicest way. In the past, I would feel a lot of resistance. Now I, I sit with it. And I don't have to accept what they say, but I'm going to sit with it. And sometimes the, the correction I'm receiving is not specifically about what I've done, but the overall energy I brought into what I did. My wife likes to say, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. So really listening to what other people say, because many of them are uh, gifts that they're giving us if you really listen beyond their own drama and challenges. True, and not being reactive to what they say. And yes. And really going with, within, right? And reactiveness is a mechanism of defense. So another teaching we have a lot in the work that we do is to, to stand in a weakness. Yes, I made a mistake, and I'm going, I'm going to go and apologize. And the more you are standing in your weakness, the more you allow for connection from other people. Because if you're very proud and you're stuck in your place, you don't allow other people. But if you admit to other people on your weaknesses, you think I'm an idiot, you should see me doing this. That's when I'm really an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Something that can really connect with you. Sense of humor, right? That, yeah, that helps yeah. too. So Absolutely. it's really just opening up and allowing the current of life uh, to connect with you because that's what the current wants to do if you just let your defenses down. Well, you gave a lot for us to think about, and I'm sure the listeners, their minds might be swirling a little bit <laughs> too from all this, but it's all good stuff. I so appreciate you. I'm very, I'm very open. I'm very, in terms of connection, if anybody wants to connect with me, Facebook or otherwise, chat, etc. What What's the best way for listeners to learn more about you? They can go to openheartenergy.com, my website, to learn a bit more, and then they can find my information for contact over there. I'm not a lot as I used to be on Facebook. Time is really crunchy. But they can also connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, the so typical social media stuff. And they can mention the podcast so I know where they yes, came Yes, please from. do. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I know you were on my other one, and it's just I still learned so much from you. My pleasure. Anytime. And that brings us to the end of this episode. But thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you could be here and I could help you on your healer journey. Just remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. This is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.